Chapter Six of the Lost Parchment by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six: Council's Opinion. When Hindle, having a weight on his mind, woke shortly after dawn, he remembered the vicar's proverb and thought that it might be true. Morning certainly was wiser than the night with him as he began to ask himself why he should be so much disturbed over an unproven matter lee certainly asserted positively that he had found a hundred-year-old will made in favor of the elder branch of the hindle family and undoubtedly he spoke in a way which appeared to be genuine but then the vicar was a queer eccentric person who sometimes believed his visions to be facts and who had on occasion some difficulty in distinguishing between the real and the unreal in a perfectly honest way he might be making a mistake and rupert turning over the matter before rising hoped fervently that such might prove to be the case on the other hand unless mr lee's statement had some foundation in fact it seemed improbable that he would even think of such a thing there had never been any question as to the legitimacy of hindle holding the property and after a whole century had elapsed it seemed strange that such an odd question should be raised assuredly the vicar must have found something which had to do with the inheritance of the estates by the elder branch else the fantastic idea would not have entered his rather wavering mind but the will might not be good in law it might have been signed and not witnessed or there might have been some flaw in its drawing up which would nullify its provisions if this was the case rupert was far too sensible to think of surrendering his lands and income to a man who on the face of it would make a bad use of the same on the other hand if the will was quite in order the squire was honest enough to step down from his throne and allow the rightful king to take his seat thereon evil as might prove to be his rule the whole question of right or wrong turned on the production of the will having reached this point in his meditations rupert arose and cleared his brain with a cold bath it would be foolish to say that he was not worried for he felt very much upset as was natural seeing there was a chance of his being reduced to the condition of a pauper mullen was not rich but he had enough to live on so the acquisition of more money would only result in his greater extravagance in the purchase of jewels but if the will proved to be legal hindle foresaw that he the squire of barship would be turned out of his pleasant home without a single penny and without any means of earning one he had no profession he had no trade he was not over clever and marlin he was sure of this would not allow him anything out of the estate this was uncomfortable enough in itself for a young man who liked the good things of this life but there was worse to follow he would lose dorinda since her father would undoubtedly prevent the marriage with a pauper the girl herself as rupert had said to the vicar would remain true but how could he ask her to become his wife when he could not support himself much less a helpmate it was all very painful and very disagreeable 
and rupert descended to breakfast with a bad appetite you don't look well at all mr hindal remarked mrs beatson when she came for orders after breakfast perhaps you are sickening for a fever not at all replied her master more crossly than he was accustomed to speak to this dismal woman i have had a wakeful night that's all ah well sir it's natural considering you are going to take such a serious step as marriage without thinking about it rupert allowed mrs beatson a certain amount of latitude but here she overstepped the mark he passed over her observation in silence and gave his orders for the day i shall have dinner at eight he remarked having arranged matters as i am going to town and will not be back until late going to see the lawyers i suppose sir mentioned the housekeeper with an odd look on her dreary face rupert looked up suddenly wondering why she had made such a pertinent observation for it was in his mind to do what she had suggested why do you suppose that mrs beatson well sir it's only natural as no doubt there are marriage settlements to be prepared and all must be in order for the ceremony mrs beatson said this glibly enough and her reason appeared to be very plausible nevertheless her glance was so significant that hindle wondered if she had guessed his trouble it seemed to be incredible since lee had promised to hold his tongue until the matter was properly threshed out yet there was a certain malicious triumph lurking in the housekeeper's look which hinted that she was rejoicing at his approaching downfall after swift reflection rupert thought that he was mistaken and was in a position of a man who sees a bird in every bush he therefore ignored mrs beatson's remark and merely repeated that he would return late to dine the woman hesitated for a moment as if she wished to speak more plainly then tossed her head and glided out in her ghostly way rupert frowned for her behavior made him uncomfortable yet it was impossible that she should know anything of the thunderbolt which had struck him and after all as the squire reflected when he started to walk to the railway station the thunderbolt had not yet reached its mark and might not reach it at all only an examination of the will would prove if he was a rich man or a pauper and in his anxiety to learn this hindle called in at the vicarage as he passed the rickety gate strange to say mr lee proved to be absent as he had gone to see a dying parishioner it was only a short walk to the little wayside station at which the london train stopped occasionally during the day rupert caught the ten o'clock train easily and although it was very full managed to secure a compartment to himself here when the engine started he gave himself up to meditation not as it may be guessed of the most pleasant kind hindle as mrs beatson ignorantly or knowingly had suggested really intended to consult lawyers but before going to his family solicitors he thought he would ask the opinion of counsel in the person of carrington as it struck him that there might be a statue of limitations in connection with long-lost wills even if there were rupert knew in his own heart that if mullen proved to be the rightful owner of the property he 
the present owner would never be able to take advantage of any law quibble it all depended on the will for if not produced he would not be required even by his own uneasy conscience to surrender his house and income he wondered if lee had lost the will forever in which case things could remain as they were he wondered if there was a will at all or if there was whether the vicar might not have made a mistake he wondered if the will were found if it would be all shipshape so as to deprive him of his kingdom indeed hendel wondered in a more or less worried way throughout the journey to town and stepped out on to the platform of the liverpool street station in anything but a happy frame of mind carrington had envied him his wealth and quiet existence it was anything but quiet now and the wealth if the vicar proved to be correct was about to take wings to itself and fly away into marlin's gaping pockets in a dismal frame of mind rupert took a taxi to friar's inn it was in this set of tall buildings that carrington had his chambers for business purposes hendel said the barrister when his visitor was ushered into the bare room sparsely furnished and looking very businesslike this is a surprise how are you old chap not up to much from the look of you i'm bothered out of my life replied hendel taking the cane chair a most uncomfortable one which was pointed out to him oh i think there is sufficient life left in you to stand a trifle more strain was carrington's flippant observation as he resumed his seat at a very business-like desk i can't guess in any way what can bother you no one but the wearer knows where the shoe pinches quoted hendel grimly quite so and no one ever will know unless the wearer explains the bad fit my friend bothered you with beeves and lands and money and the promise of a beautiful and desirable damsel to be your wife that's just it said the visitor seizing the opening i may lose all these things carrington the barrister wheeled his chair round to stare and his keen dark face was alive with curiosity have you been out running the constable he asked has the lady changed her mind has you are wide of the mark to put the matter in a nutshell it's a will a will what about it this much it exists and may disinherit me the deuce in whose favor in favor of julius mullen my cousin then he will have his rights if he has a leg to stand on said carrington grimly mullen struck me as a man who would go through fire and water for himself why did your father make a will in his favor he did not the will was made one hundred years ago by john hendel from whom mullen and i are descended one hundred years ago echoed the barrister puzzled then how comes it you have to do with it now lee found it in the monument room confound his zeal but still i don't quite understand perhaps you will tell me the whole story from the beginning i suppose you have come to ask my advice as a friend yes and as a barrister my best forensic lore is at your disposal 
well hendel at once began his explanation and as he proceeded became much too restless to remain seated midway in the recital he started to his feet and began to pace the narrow limits of the office shading his eyes with his hand and drawing figures on the blotting paper carrington listened to the rather amazing story of lee's discovery and when in possession of the facts looked rather sceptical i understand that you have not seen the will no lee as is natural with so untidy a man has mislaid it then how do you know the will exists lee says so hm carrington threw down his pencil and leaned back with a doubtful look i think the vicar's wits must be wool-gathering he has no enmity against you i suppose enmity hendel stopped in his walk and stared i mean he is your friend oh yes lee and i are great friends and his attitude toward mullen he doesn't like him overmuch mullen is so rude to him and to everyone finished carrington with a shrug a most disagreeable person well as lee likes you and doesn't like your cousin i take it he could not have invented this story to do you out of the property in mullen's favor no lee is the best of good fellows though rather eccentric he must have found the will it is impossible that he could have suggested its existence otherwise i suppose not murmured carrington vaguely then glanced shrewdly at his client does he know your family history everyone in barship knows that replied hendel dropping again into his chair with a sigh there is nothing to know really as we have always been a dull homely lot of people tell me how your descent runs from john hendel in the direct male line frederick the son henry the grandson charles the great-grandson and myself the great-great-grandson and mullen's descent he comes in the female line from walter the eldest son of john hendel eunice the daughter of walter and the granddaughter of john married george filbert mrs filbert had a daughter anne who married frank mullen and her son is julius my cousin who has as you know a daughter dorinda to whom you are engaged commented carrington that marriage will bring the elder and the younger branches of the family together a very good arrangement will julius marry again i don't think so he hates women i should think every single member of the sex returned the compliment but what i mean is that when you marry miss mullen the money will come to you and her when her father dies it should as we two represent the elder and younger branches of the family joined as you observed but mullen is quite capable of leaving the money elsewhere out of devilment he tolerates me because i lend him money and he has very little affection for dorinda we are to marry next month because i have promised mullen five hundred a year when i make dorinda my wife and he is now in a hurry for the money but added rupert anxiously if he knew that he was the rightful heir he would forbid the marriage it is probable he would since he has such a sweet nature said carrington dryly but would miss mullen obey him no she loves me too well for that 
but of course if i lose the property i am reduced to pauperism pure and simple and could scarcely ask the girl to share my nothing the barrister nodded sympathetically it's a beastly position he said after a pause especially as you haven't been brought up to earn your own living in any way but of course we are building on sand nobody but this weird parson has seen the will so it may not exist i don't see why lee should think of such a thing if the will does not exist said rupert impatiently true enough well let us grant the will does exist and leaves the property to eunice filbert from whom mullen traces his descent still possession is nine points of the law and your lot has held the property for close upon one hundred years there is a statue of limitations oh rupert looked up eagerly i had an idea that there might be then if i take your meaning correctly since this will has only been found after so long a period the statue operates against its being legal well it might operate or it might not it all depends upon the circumstances of the case mostly the statue of limitations would operate the will was never filed in the probate court i take it no until lee found it i expect no one but its maker and his witnesses knew of its existence and they are all dead ages ago but i thought wills were filed at somerset house now they are but in eighteen fifteen they were filed at the probate court at canterbury well said hindle restlessly the question is what am i to do well obviously the first thing is to get possession of the will and in that way learn exactly how things stand with regard to mullen john hendel may not have cut off his second son frederick entirely he may not assented rupert dubiously on the other hand he may lee certainly gave me to understand that everything had been left to eunice who afterward married filbert if such is the case you may be sure that mullen will take everything and will decline to give me a penny just like him but the statue of limitations i shall not take advantage of that interrupted hindle firmly if the will does make mullen the heir by descent he shall have the property but my dear man cried the barrister starting to his feet that is quixotic why leave yourself without a penny especially when mullen is such an unamiable person it's hard i grant replied rupert ruefully yet as an honest man what else can i do it seems to me that there is a limit to honesty said carrington tartly i scarcely think that i could act so quixotically if i had to do with the matter however we can discuss this point when the will is in your possession and we can make sure that what lee says is true when do you hope to get it well i don't know lee said that he had mislaid it and would search for it so i have called this morning on the chance that he might have found it he was absent attending to a dying woman and of course i couldn't interrupt him at his business i left a message that i would call again when i returned this evening when do you return by the seven o'clock train i shall arrive in time for dinner i told mrs beetson that i would dine at eight if lee finds the will 
i presume he will bring it to you this evening at the big house he might and he might not in any case i shall call carrington considered the remark for a few moments and stared out the window at the chimney pots i don't think that i would call if i were you hendel he said at length why not because this case needs a more careful handling than you are able to give it my friend leave lee alone until to-morrow and i'll come down some time about midday to interview the vicar along with you it's very good of you carrington said the perplexed squire gratefully i don't expect one night will make any difference as i shall be certain of the bad news soon enough i'll wait until you can go with me to-morrow to the vicarage perhaps by then lee will have found the will i don't leave the vicarage until he has found it said carrington grimly it's too important a document to be left in the hands of a shiftless creature such as lee he is quite capable of taking it to Mullen, if it is in favor of Mullen's grandmother as he asserts hendel standing up to go away shook his head i don't think he will go past me he remarked slowly in the first place he dislikes Mullen because Mullen's brusque manners and in the second Mullen refused out of his present income to help him to fit out an expedition to yucatan central america why does the vicar want to go there oh he's been reading some diary of Mullen's father describing certain researches among buried cities in those wilds and wants to go there and look up things for himself i dare say if you finance this expedition lee will say nothing about the will that is if he has already said nothing to any one said carrington he told me that he had not save you and i no one knows about lee's discovery it's just as well that Mullen doesn't know ended rupert with a shrug or he would tear down the vicarage or rob it to get the testament which would make him a rich man well i don't think a weak old buffer like lee could put up much fight handel well my advice is for you to hold your tongue and refrain from seeing lee until tomorrow afternoon then we can tackle him together buck up and face the music old chap added the barrister clapping his friend on the back after all the thing may prove to be a false alarm i don't place much reliance on that dreaming parson nor do i answered rupert as he took his leave but in this case i fancy there must be a fire to account for the smoke lee could not have invented a will which does not exist well then good-bye i shall see you to-morrow at one o'clock or thereabouts anyhow before two meanwhile don't see any one and particularly not miss Mullen. she is sure to spot your dismals and if she begins to question you may give yourself away rupert halted on the threshold hesitating for a while but finally promised not to see dorinda then as there was nothing else to be done he went to a matinee of a successful play to distract his mind and returned as he had arranged in time for his eight o'clock dinner after the meal he spent a very dull evening reading the newspapers and playing patience but for his promise to carrington he would have walked to the cottage to see dorinda and he sorely felt the want of her society at this crisis 
however he saw the wisdom of the barrister's advice not to acquaint her with the trouble until more was ascertained for certain lest by arousing Mullen's suspicions that gentleman might learn too much and Mullen was very quick as a rule to guess that something was being kept from him so rupert possessed his soul in patience and retired to bed early after a somewhat restless night he descended to breakfast to find that ill news travels fast it was mrs beetson who conveyed this especial information and she did so with delight always anxious to pass on any news of any disaster oh mr handel she cried bursting into the breakfast-room without knocking such a terrible thing has happened mr lee is dead mr lee has been murdered End of chapter six